This is the 84th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Berners. With me, as always, are my dear co-hosts Robin Sundsen and Christopher Wikström. Warm welcome to you, dear listener. Hello. Hi. How do you do? Good evening, friends. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found whenever we release on the Top Decked app. This episode will be all about our trip to Norrköping and Invasion Games for the Legacy Tournament they held on 25th March. We will go round by round to see how we fared and if we represented the pod and made ourselves proud, etc. Decklists will be found in our Discord. So, let's kick off round number one, Robin. What did you play and what did you face? So I was on the trusted Nyadepts deck and I thought that the sideboard would probably contain quite a bit of 8-cast and other artifact-based decks. And you will see in my tournament report that I was quite right about that. That meant that in my sideboard I, I chose to include a second collector oof as an additional artifact hate piece. This was probably a mistake. I would have been better off with some sort of artifact sweeper, probably. That's not what I brought. And I was up against Painter in my first game. And he moves to 5, but has a quite good start. City, Petal, Fable. I have a Mox start as well, and play a Reclaimer of the Mox. But then I decide to use my land drop to waste him, thinking that maybe he's going to be... Short on mana with just a 5 card hand and a petal already burned. But I sort of misvalue how much mana this goblin will generate. And he also draws consecutive lands. I don't really get anything going. He managed to uh, to combo me out with like the, the mana and card advantage that the turn 1 fable accrues for him. And I think that I probably made a mistake. I should have just... Got up to four mana and tried to make Merit Leech as fast as possible. But, you know, the waste plan is always so alluring. <laughs> you always want to... That's what you want to do when you play a land-based deck. Well, kind of made me do the wrong decisions, I think. And, of course, I had a lot of hate to bring in against his game two. But I stumbled a little bit of mana and don't manage to really accomplish much there either. Can't fight plows or uh, any kind of removal against his uh, little goblin squad. He he sweeps me with uh, a pretty clean 2-0. Yeah, the goblin squad, when they get the whole, uh, what's the word in Power Rangers, when they all just suit up, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like one of those moments. Uh, it feels like you could be dead any second. It's always scary to play against. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like maybe you're supposed to bring in the endurances to just slow them down a little bit but like I I was drawing very cold in both of those games and not finding the right colors of mana and just having the deck work against me it felt like so that's how it is sometimes what about Victor how did it go for you well I brought my trusted black red reanimator didn't change up much from the last tournament I played the heavy discard plan I felt after our last episode where we saw that the metagame seemed sort of with the global resources that you have to have sort of evolved to be very combo heavy that people would probably be good off bringing their force of wills and i think it was the most played card in this tournament the statistics we got from the organizers afterwards and i got to feel that quite a bit (laughs) in this tournament so the first round i played against blue red delver against the hope who was the fourth seat in our car so the car mirror the goat car (laughs) The gold car indeed. And first game, basically, he has double force, double wasteland. I also think he's on the play. And there isn't much, you know, most decks can do against Delver, who who, who gets, to, gets to curve out like that. And Reanimator certainly <laughs> has not much to... I have to have extreme nut draws in, you know, top five cards needs to be exactly sequenced for that to for me to fight through that and I couldn't. In game two he mulligans to four which makes me sort of pretty safe with attempting whatever I do. I can sort of have him use his only counter resource or I think he had a daze but eventually I just win that match that game because I just have that you know he mulligans to four. What can you say? And in game three he on the play has three force of will this time and also three wasteland again not much to do except shaking his hand and calling it gg 
Man, the third wasteland is never never good news. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty rough, <laughs> especially not like the. Do you play one swamp or two? I play two swamp, two swamp, yeah, and four jewels. Yeah, no, it's five still, jewels. Oh. Still rough. Like you need to find the fetches to get the swamp, and in a matchup like that, you might want the other cards as well, like faithless looting and stuff like that. Exactly. I, I need I need the colored mana probably, unless I have this not mono black again mega sequence lot of discard and then just the sheep cards i mean the tempo alone just kills me so what about you christopher did you uh do better than us i brought Aluren, big surprise but since the this is the first time that i played it properly you know uh, built the deck to match the iteration less meta and not being as scared against mono white initiative that you like you don't have to respect initiative as much but you still have to have some sort of game plan so i actually got to shave two strixes and one endurance from the main which felt really good to get a leovold a fourth sylvan library and a fourth alluren in there so that actually felt really good so yeah when it comes to my to my first game i was up against burn sitting down against my opponent we recognize each other from the last tournament that we played we played last time i was in north shopping at the invasion and we both know what's gonna go down like i know i'm up against burn and they know that they're up against the glorified bird tribal so what's the reasonable thing to do for me it's to mulligan for uro but in game one, I keep a hand that can go for an Aserorak alluring kill pretty quickly. And after a couple of bolts, you know, yes, the bird was bolted. It happened. I get to flash an endurance to block the Eidolon, untap and play alluring with the Aserorak. I was at six life at this moment. My opponent had three lands in play and showed me three fire blasts in hand. So that was extremely close. <laughs> In game two, I, I actually get to play a turn two Uro <laughs> uh, off a wow. uh, off a Birds of Paradise, and I good night. Yeah, and I escape it turn four. So from there, I just play a very controlly game. I force a wilder Eidolon because I know that I'm gonna you know fetch and can trip and do all stuff to just get the Uro out as fast fast as possible, and it pays off. So. 2-0. Nice. Yeah, that felt that felt really good. You must be favored with an Uro deck against Burn. Well, it's it's really tricky because a lot of my cards, like Eidolon, is such a beater against me. You know, uh, I can't combo off. Mm, that's and true. Uro, sure, I do gain one life, but it's only when I get to escape it that the life flow is actually more consistent. There's also this enchantment that if you don't pay mana to cast a spell, you, it domes you for five. That's also yeah. pretty bad with a Force of Will and Alluren deck. Sure, sure. Whenever I get an Uro into the graveyard and they don't have things like Graph Diggers, Cage, or Surgical, it's over. Like, whenever I get to escape it, I haven't lost a game since. So on to round two then. Robin, how did you do there? Well, continuing... Facing off against artifact decks, I'm paired up against 8 cast. And uh, game 1 goes as game 1s usually do against 8 cast, but I, I keep a, an interesting hand. It is flagstone, Yavimaya, and a double crop, and a third land, and something else. So my game plan is basically play a Yavimaya and a flagstone and just sack it with the first crop rotation, get the stage and next turn, like turn three Merit Leech. That's the plan. And he has a little bit of a slow start, so I managed to get the first crop going. No force of will there. Stupidly not firing off the second crop. To just like, I mean, I, I get to search a planes from the flagstone, so I have another land to sack. I could just use the other crop. At once. But I, I save the crop for like the next turn and he pulls a force of will from one of his thought casts. From there on <laughs> I don't have much of a game plan going. And I also like I fetch the stage with my first crop and then I top deck a stage so that's a little bit annoying. And like it's 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 a bad decision honestly when I have Yevamaya in play to, to grab the stage first because I run three stage and two depths so I'm more likely to top deck a stage than a depths. From there on he can run me over. And then in game two also interestingly I think I make quite a few mistakes there. So I have a hand that is Yavimaya Dark Depths 
a Collector Oof, which is a banger, of course, and a Green Sun Zenith, and I think a Plow and a Blast or something like that. I don't have white mana, I don't have red mana, but I have a Collector Oof and a Green Sun that can do something. But I decide to fire off the Green Sun on turn 1 for an Arbor that I really don't need. It's not ramping me into anything, and I already have the green mana, obviously, so, like, it would have been much better to keep it for, say, a Reclaimer or something that could fetch up uh, the, the colors that I need. And he leans, he leads on a Chalice, so uh, my one-mana plays are, are dead. I get down the Collector Oof, which uh, obviously puts a lot of pressure on, on his artifacts. But uh, he's not an artifact plan. He's on a Saga plan. Murphy's Law. Yeah, that's Murphy's Law. And like I have Plows and I have like a lot of things to, to answer Saga. But I only have green mana. <laughs> yeah, and they have a Chalice, right? So it's just... And they have a Chalice as, as well. Hurdles. Yeah, so I mean, I could have just kept that green sun and on my third turn I could have fetched up the Liberator I could have just passed the turn on my next turn and then start beating with the Trigon Predator that it transforms into but no, I went for the Dryad Arbor for some Arbor attacks <laughs> in the early game. And I actually died to his constructs. He fetches up the Shadow Spear to also make them trampling over my poor blockers. And to put salt in the wound, I also top deck double Mox that is shut down by the Collector Oof. <laughs> Wasn't their uh, Shadow Spear also turned off by the Oof? Yes, it would have been if we had forgotten. If we had remembered that, I think that I think that he actually equipped it without any of us realizing that it was an erroneous mode. But yeah, I, yeah. I was, I mean, it didn't matter for the outcome of the That's game. That's a warning in any for sense. both of you. No, I'm just kidding. No, but it, <laughs> yeah. it, it sounds like that game was pretty going in the wrong direction yeah. anyway so that that's a shame yeah and as you can hear i was not on top of of my like uh, <laughs> play skills here uh, i think i i played pretty poorly in both of my first two games and so i ended up zero two on my second game as well over to you victor well my second round i keep on the uh, oh look people are playing force of will wasteland cantrips days and murktide but this time in the blue-black shadow shell, which is probably an even worse matchup for me compared to the blue-red Delver version of running all these cards. And this opponent to boot, quite experienced with the deck, knew exactly what they were up to. Even though I manage in both game one and two to sort of discard the dangerous things from their hand, set myself up for a next turn big swig with the cup of of death to reanimate something my opponent is ahead of me recuperates with cantrips and stuff i mean you could say well he got super lucky because he sort of just managed to have those cards but of course the deck is built to do that and my opponent played really well into making sure he could utilize that so i'm not going to complain at all on the draws here it's it's a it's a tough matchup and my opponent really knew their stuff and at this point i'm sitting there like well i knew this could have happened bringing this deck and this happened bringing this deck but sort of you know i was deciding to sort of i'm gonna enjoy myself still i'm not gonna hang my head down just because i faced two sort of you know bad matchups because i made the decision to bring this deck and i love to play it and those both of these games were super nice to play out, even though it never felt super close. Well, it's sometimes you just end up in that situation when you're playing against a tempo deck, and it's one of those magician tricks where they're just like pulling out more and more things out of the hat, and you're like, where does it end? Like days in the right scenario, but you had like the right mentality moving onward. Like it's round two. At the end of the day, we're here to turn some cards sideways and sometimes like you ran into a very tough matchup in my opinion yeah yeah what about you christopher did you run into force of wills or something else something else for sure so i lose the die roll and my opponent is a stone cold killer and goes turn one swamp pass and i'm like what's going on whoa um, mm-hmm. so i play a tropical and ponder and my opponent responds with a dark ritual opposition agent Ooh. and i have a decay in hand and paired with that i have no force of will and two misty rainforests so that's pretty rough like sure Whoops. i'm glad that i didn't fetch for my ponder but at the same time 
Youch. <laughs> so the ponder finds another trap, <laughs> which is pretty bad news because I'm sitting on the decay in my hand. Uh, but at least it's land number two. I mean, I get to play a 1-1 Quattle out there. You know how it is. My opponent untaps and plays a Saga into Bitter Blossom. If you listeners haven't guessed it yet, I did not win this game. <laughs> <laughs> I take a massive beating until I die. Like, my opponent rips a Fotsis. The turn I was gonna... F- I finally had free mana, like, that I could use. And I was gonna ambush their... I was gonna ambush their opposition agent with Endurance. But they rip a Fotsis, so I have to play my Endurance before the Fotsis hits. Um, so, the turn before dying, my opponent actually plays out their Helm of Obedience which gives away so much information for game two and three. Because before that, I could have speculated that that was, that was their game plan. But seeing Saga, Bitter Blossom and stuff like that, you can't really be sure. Like It could just be you know some, some sort of aggro mono-black deck. But seeing the helm changed my sideboard direction a bit. In game two, play a turn one ponder. My opponent mulls to a six and goes Dark Ritual Chalice on one. And I'm like... Sure, man. <laughs> Combo. <laughs> yeah, like my hand, my hand is a brainstorm and force, but I'm just going to let it resolve because the rest of my hands are just creatures and the decay. And them going turn one chalice on one turns off their dark rituals, which is practically what I'm most afraid of in this in this matchup. Like them turboing out a shield red or opposition agent like in game one. So now I feel pretty safe like they need to top deck ancient tombs and stuff like that so my opponents actually scoops three turns later after not making land drop two so that was a pretty quick game and in game three we have a bit of back and forth we trade some resources and uh, you know i bring in my cheeky uh, plague engineers because i saw bitter blossom and you know eventually i get that's a combo yeah like uh, take one a turn But eventually, I, I'm sitting and really waiting to find a good spot to combo them when they go for a Fotsis and I get to veil it, protect my combo, and untap and just kill them. So yeah, that was a 2-1 victory. But after that game one, I'm not gonna lie, I felt super shaky. Uh, like getting opposition agent when you're sitting there with two Misties, it's like they're pulling your pants down and uh, you're just standing there like all exposed and that's exactly what it felt like i have said it before and i will say it again on this on this cast opposition agents so seriously underplayed in legacy i actually yeah this is a small spoiler but i actually played two opposition agent in my sideboard like Vic, nice. like victor said we'll post the deck lists in the show notes so on to Round number three, Robin, you and I are sitting next to each other in the O2 bracket. All right, so we're down at the <laughs> like the higher numbers tables where the people who have started out with a zero two <laughs> but not yet dropped where they end up. And I'm facing up against Mono Green Cloud Post. Needless to say, this is a pretty good matchup. I mean, they have needles, they have ways to find a way out of your little more, more landsy play style, but you also have ways to deal with that. In game one, I get to use a few wastelands to keep him off the cloud post and just kill him with the Emerald Lage. And then in game two, I get to get a excavator going with the wasteland. I think that when the game ends, he has two forests in play and that's it. So it's a very landsy, no. very landsy win, which is... Like like one of the nice things about this deck that you get to play Maverick and Lance and you know Minsk and Boo pile in the same deck. So satisfying. I mean as a twelve post player I've been on the other side of that table and it's a horrible feeling. Yeah. Because it's not that insta-kill. It's just that sort of, I'm going to deny you all your resources. Then I'm going to assemble my win. So you sort of you sit there and you draw a card. You put it in your hand. You can't play it. You pass the turn. 
you keep on feeling a bit miserable. <laughs> it's the slingshot slowly going backwards. <laughs> yeah. it's just you're just sitting there like waiting for it to release and just smack you in the face. Like yeah, yeah, yeah you waste another cloud post. I get it. And the slingshot just goes goes further back, and then a hamster just flies in your face. Yeah. So what about you, Victor? How was your third game? Well, my third game was again against Blue Black Shadow. Wasteland, oh, <laughs> Force of Will, Days, Worktides. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And reanimate. also reanimate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the, the mirror. Thing. Like since <laughs> since Blue Black Shadow correctly, I think, and very wisely have picked up Reanimate because they play grief now. The matchup has become probably even worse. But I'm I'm when I sit down I'm fairly certain that my opponent is on Blue Black Shadow. So I'm like, okay, this is a bad matchup. Let's see what we get here. And I get a seven of two lands, dark ritual, and tomb, exhume, animate dead, animate dead. And I'm like, okay, I'm on the play. I have no discard. I have no way of sort of knowing what my opponent is doing. But if there's a force of will here, I will play a reanimate spell next turn. And if my opponent has reanimate in hand well that's just gloriously beautiful so i'm gonna let them have it because i want to go fetch swamp dark ritual and tomb exhume and i get to resolve that <laughs> so then i get to draw 14 cards play an unmask in my opponent's scoops before uh, revealing their hand good decision yes good decision and uh, satisfying for me to sort of my, my opponent of course also in the o2 bracket sort of heart dropped a little bit there and it's like ah oh, damn man gotta do this to me uh, and i guess i had to game two different story blue black shadow works as intended I, we get to this point where due to sort of some uh, um, i'm gonna i'm sort of aiming to animate dead a grief perhaps but i, I cast animate dead and without having time to name my targets my opponent goes like circle extraction for grief and i'm like um but you have a baleful strix in your graveyard i might want that because i need to draw cards and the sort of the judge comes over and we sort of we back this up and i go to sort of reanimate his baleful strix because i really need the cards because i'm almost hellbent and he instead surgicals his baleful strix but then he gets to resolve a murk tide and i have sort of nothing going on and the murk tide grows so that game goes as as intended for opponent and then in game three my opponent mulligans to five and i start off with a discard spell and opponent has kept two lands one reanimate and two cantrips and i take the reanimate and just go from there basically and win the game 2-1 very nice that must have felt good uh coming from the last round where uh the opponent was just making jam out of the reanimator deck and now you got to do your thing yeah but also it, it goes to show that the, the the games that i have won so far in this tournament is my opponent mulligan to four my opponent mulligan to five and me keeping a seven nut draw with my opponent not having force of will. <laughs> That's the reanimator effect. You put the fear in their heart and they start mulliganing. I've been there. That is true. Yeah, this is true. This is true. And I mean, my opponent didn't mulligan for no reason. They obviously didn't have anything against that in their seven and six. So, you know, and my deck is powerful. <laughs> no, yeah they have to mulligan like sure they could uh, hope for the best keep a seven and go turn one ponder but if if they don't find a like zero mana interaction it might as well have been a five so what about you christopher round three so in round three i'm up against blue red delver and in game one you know uh, winning the die roll is really nice and everything so i get to resolve a birds of paradise and my opponent just plays land ponder you know things are Things are looking up. I don't know what I'm up against. Like this player is a, is a friend of mine. And that player has played everything from waterfalls to uh, Charlotte's bug. You know, it's it's really hard to know exactly what's going to come out of come out of it. They've been on uh, Blue Red Delver for a while, I think now. So maybe that was a... I, I, I did have my guesses quite early on. I know that this is not uh, my matchup to lose if I just keep the game long so you know i i just can trip and play uh, strix and stuff like that and the turn after i just go and fetch and my opponent stifles my fetch and wastelands my crop so i was like is this canadian 
but no, it was it was blue red with stifles. On that same turn when that happened, my my line was kind of shaken up. So I was like, I'm just gonna try and resolve this Silver Library, and it gets forced to will, which is actually something I really like in this matchup because I can accrue a lot of mana, which means that their daisies gets worse as long as the game go on, and it means that they have less forces moving onward. So the turn after, I just play a land and jam a Leovold. And it resolves. A couple of turns later, I have played and escaped Uro. And you know, my opponent is sitting there with like four cards in their hand, maybe five. And when you're seeing that, you know that Leovold is the sauce that's making the scenario possible. So I don't know how many... Like, sure, you can play Mishra's Bauble and Bauble yourself on your turn to draw a card in, in my upkeep. But, you know, it's still such a bad feeling when that happens. So they've had enough. And in game two, we trade some resources. You know, some Strixes get bolted, a Murktide get bounced by Edder Chandler. And when I did the Edder Chandler line i also get to endurance them to shrink the drc and strand the murktide in their hand so eventually when the board is empty i get to sneak a grist into play and you know <laughs> when you're this is christopher act mm, after mm, all mm, you know mm. when you get that bad boy into play and uh, when the board is empty against delver it's such a hill to climb but i'm at this point I'm on six life and my opponent like has gotten a DRC into play and they just start going really deep for delirium because if they can get delirium and find a bolt of cantrips and bubbles and stuff like that, they can get the last six damage in. Unknown to them when they attack, I just evoke an endurance again and they attack right into an insect, which again results in my opponent having enough and scoops so free and oh baby Four, Robin. This one we remember well, both of us. I can't remember anything from this. Well, I can. It was uh, <laughs> podcast mirror. Podcast mirror. Whoop, whoop. We're both one and two, and we're paired against each other, sitting down, and uh, we both know exactly, of course, what the opponent play, and we play this this matchup quite a lot. I feel pretty good about facing off against Reanimator. I mean, everything can always happen with against a deck that is so explosive with its best draws. But speaking of best draw, I have a pretty good hand in uh, game one. I think I have a Reclaimer, or maybe it's a Green Sun that can fetch a Reclaimer. I have a crop, and I have my one of Endurance and another green card. And I, I take the safe route and just make land drops until I can get Reclaimer down. So I keep the, the crop open. If I remember correctly, also... Discard me. I discard you and then you, you have drawn your second crop. So I, I see, I have, I think my choice is endurance, crop, crop, or swords to plowshares. <laughs> I'm like, okay. What a buffet. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you have reclaimer in play. Pick a card, <laughs> any card. <laughs> Doesn't matter. So that's like when, when you look at my hand, like for the second or third time you're like just shaking the head like <laughs> can't get through this and then of course merit leech is looming when you're on the reclaimer plan so pretty good to steal the game one that's not how you draw it out you are of course hoping on the game two and three but as it happens i don't have all of that luck in the second game we have this uh, interesting interaction where you manage to reanimate i think it's a gristle brand and yeah, i sort yeah, of yeah. stumble to deal with it so this game is is uh, of, uh, maybe unnecessarily drawn out but i have actually turned around games like this where, <laughs> where the grizzle brand has resolved and i get to bounce it with caracas and you know i get to bog eventually to get rid of your sort of card advantage things that is in your graveyard and all of that but this time you just draw a little bit better than what i can cope with with my little bit slow hand yeah and you also you, you needed in the end to to plow the gristle brand which is way better for me yeah which gives you so i was able to just 
come back from that. Caracas would have been worse, but I, I still have a lot of resources in my hand before the extra seven but after the extra seven it was just okay cool this is this feels safe <laughs> and then the third game of this match i have pretty much the nuts and uh, including a yeah. discard for your endurance yeah so like you have the turn one the backed up turn one and uh I have an endurance and I have a reclaimer and I I go for the the reclaimer on turn one but you can strip the endurance and just go off before the reclaimer is uh, online. I guess I had a nut draw in in game one and then we had this sort of outdrawn struggle in game two and then you had a nut draw in game three so to say. So uh, I picked up a loss against my co-host buddy happens yeah and i of course and yeah you pick up a two two and i go one two yeah. down to yeah. one three i i came i was uh so i made some quick calculations and realized that uh, due to us being 28 players i could double id so i was on the very important duty of uh, being the hamburger delivery person to these fine gentlemen so i came at the end of game three and it really looked like the nuts mm. the nut raw and it's so brutal <laughs> just sitting there like <laughs> yeah it's already that passing the turn with gristle brand <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. arkan and six cards in hand yeah like w- there was a situation where i was really you know i could i could hear what robin was thinking and it was like he really needs to get to use his uh, reclaimer that he had in play to get a caracas to solve the grizzle brand but if you threaten like if you get an archon into play that's just gonna like either force him to go for bog or something else and you know whenever the archon hits the battlefield in this matchup if they don't have an instant plow it's over so round five which is the last round for you and me robin and another id round then for you christopher robin what did you play so i faced off against burn i think it might have been the same opponent that you faced off against in game one, Christopher. Yeah, the only burn player in the room. Yeah, and I also recognized him. He has also <laughs> red sleeves. <laughs> so, like, not really, not really <laughs> making... It's the quintessential burn player. <laughs> and the whole, like, aura from this person screams burn. And he's sequenced really well. Yeah, he's he's great burn player. and he, He's a really good burn player. He also plays burn in modern. <laughs> he told me afterwards. Monster, like, yeah... That's, that explains a lot. But like knowing this, I, I mulled to a, a rather quick hand. I think I had something like Green Sun for Reclaimer, Mox for... No, uh, sorry. Mox, Reclaimer, Land, Green Sun for Arbor. And then, you know, the Marital Age is very fast from that. Basically the same in the second game. I have a very fast Marital Age, but he is one damage from killing me <laughs> on his final turn. When I, I get to block like one of his swift spares with the Merit Lage to, to prevent that final damage. So very intense games against Burn. But if, if you go for a fast hand you are basically favored I should say. And you always have the, the plow to give you a little bit of life if necessary. Sort of a little bit of redemption winning the last game. Quite a mediocre score for me to an... Uh, Two and three in the end. Not very proud of that uh, performance, but uh, had a great time with you two guys and the other guys from Stockholm. Yeah, and my last match was against an old deck that I used to play, Yorion Death and Taxes, of which there were two in the room. And the first game, I I'm not sort of nuts drawing, but I, I'm feeling pretty ahead. For the entirety of the game. I discard my opponent seeing what he's on. I can just sort of basically sculpt and build from there. And and, and go for Richard Brand, Arkon, yada yada yada. And I sideboard sort of thinking my opponent... I mean, the Taxes has a lot of artifacts and enchantments anyway. So the wear tears and the serenities will come in regardless. I mean, even the Death Builders are enchantments land and enchantment creatures and all sorts, you know. But my opponents successfully mulligans to six into Leyline and I have kept a hand which is a bit slower but with wear tear because I'm thinking if my opponent goes for a Leyline they, they're probably going to mulligan quite a bit because it's an 80 card deck. I'm probably, I'm sort of 
asserting that they will mulligan and the wear tear is going to get me so much value when i get to sort of pick off the ley line and like a sword or a jit or something and the thing is that i have all the manas to do this but i don't have any follow-ups because i keep drawing more of the manas so i basically have wear tear and, and grief as my two cards that i play <laughs> in this game and my opponent curves are pretty sweetly so i lose that but then like i'm thinking okay on the play last game of today last match probably safe here to keep a discard heavy slightly slower hand because again i expect my opponent to try to mulligan into his hate but my opponent keeps ley line on a seven which is like okay i mean that can happen and i draw really cold from there and my opponent pretty much i mean what what i eventually find myself needing to do is to sort of discard his solitude to animate it for myself but then i also fall to the fatigue of the day and for some reason i think that solitude has flying because i mean it should right it looks like it has in the picture so i attack with my solitude into his talia <laughs> which of course is a is a, is a pretty blowout mistake it's so a rough I'm, trade yeah it's a rough it's, it's, a, really, no, it's, it's not a, a trade it's just a rough attack very very bad i mean i you get to, i got to reanimate the the that solitude twice more in the game so maybe it was a bait yes and and that illustrates i guess what i drew and what my opponent drew <laughs> because i didn't get a single target in my graveyard during this game so you know that happens and my opponent knew what they were doing and what they were up to i mean no complaints against sort of i mean i i played into them not having a seven with ley line and uh, they had so you know that's a one two and also the equal score with robin for two three not super duper proud but considering the meta in the room expected yeah like uh, death shadow was actually the most played deck this day followed by blue red delver and death and taxes it's definitely a rough room to be a reanimator player in. But yeah, I remember coming by just looking a bit during game three. I saw your opener and they had the, they put the ley line in. And I looked at your hand and I was like, okay, there are some unmasks in there. And then I saw your first maybe two or three draw steps and you almost drew all of the unmasks. And I was like, stop, <laughs> make it stop. <laughs> like, oh man, it's so painful. But you had a wear tear and that's such a good card in that matchup. So that's always cool to see. Yeah, and I think, like, thinking about that meta, sorry, we'll talk about the top eight, obviously, the most interesting games. But that meta was pretty good for Naya Depths, I think, with, <laughs> with Delver and Shadow being big decks. Yeah, there weren't really that many, like, egregious degenerate no. combo decks. There were two reanimator players, I think, maybe. Yeah. Two reanimator players, there were, like, one ant player. Yes. So, yeah, it wasn't really all that many dark ritual decks, if you don't count the, count the helm deck, which is definitely, a, but in, in a different way. Mm. You dodge, you, you at least dodge that, Victor. That must feel good. <laughs> <laughs> the four ley line, four <laughs> Voidwalker deck. Yeah. <laughs> so, on to the top eight. Of course, we have Christopher Wikström on Aluren and together with a copy of Blue Red Delver, uh, which was the Hope. So half the car in top eight, at least. And then there was Merfolk, Green Red Initiative, Band Midrange, Yorian Death and Taxes, another Blue Red Delver, and Mon Red Painter. So pretty diverse, I would say. And also like, well, Blue Red Delver is still a good deck, apparently. And you sit down with your quarterfinals opponent, which is Band mid-range control right yeah that is correct and it's uh, another stockholm player so it's it's kind of nice like half of the top eight so this is in north shopping and half of the top eight was uh, stockholm players pretty much so that always feels good <laughs> i sit up against uh, up another stockholm player that i've played uh, quite a bit and we both know like what the other one is on like we've seen each other throughout the whole day we know each other's preferences like he know like i'm i'm the alluring guy and this person really loves control decks in game one like i'm higher seed by one because i entered the top eight on four so that's great it means i get start and in game one, my opponent gets a really fast Narset in, which is really backbreaking. If you've ever played Aluren against a Narset deck, like it shuts off so many of your cards. Like 
Brainstorm, Ponder, Strix, Uro. Like all of those cards loses their draw card thing. You can still quattle during their turn, but it's it's really rough. And that's why I played a, an Assassin's Trophy extra in the main deck and uh, stuck to the 2 decay. Here's the thing. This is how you make a top eight. My opponent resolved the Narset and they made a really heads up play and did not minus two it because they, mm. they had a read that I had endurance in hand, which I did. What this means is that I get my endurance in and I tack it down to two and they get to untap and swords to plowshares it. This means that the Narset gets to live. Like their Narset, I can keep, I can keep, up, keep up with the card quality and the card advantage of Jace the Mind Sculptor. Like that's not a problem. Like almost all my cards draw more cards, but Narset takes that away. So eventually my opponent does resolve a Jace and I eventually just get buried in the card advantage by them. So moving on to game two, this is the, the legendary game of the tournament. Mm-hmm. This is the it is indeed. This is where I peaked, maybe. We'll see. Maybe maybe I don't survive. Find out next week on <laughs> now but my opponent has a double carpet start and quite early. So you know they draw Uro, which is really nasty. You know, both of us are playing quite a controlly game. We're both trying to outgrind each other. So Uro is a really good player, even if I don't usually win with combat damage. It's still annoying when they keep drawing cards and gaining life and ramping and uh, them getting the double carpet is super brutal. You know, I was just sitting there praying that I would top deck my Leovolts. I would draw three cards a turn because the carpet is not a May, like it always targets. And So I'm walking by at this point and I'm just like, oh man, Christopher is in such deep shit right now. This is That was awful. looking so rough. Yeah, but like we haven't even reached the worst part. Like my opponent gets a Narset into play and you know, I'm, I'm super struggling. Eventually... Like, I have a Sylvan library in play, and my opponent has Narset, just to paint the picture of how feel-bads this game is. But eventually, I unlock my Sylvan. But at this point in the game, my opponent has resolved a Paradox Zone. And this is a five-man enchantment that creates an ooze token, I think. Or there's some sort of... Fractal. Fractal token. Yeah, I was like, ooze sounds wrong. But, you know, it creates... The first turn it comes in, and at the end of turn it creates a 2-2. And then the size of the fractal it creates just doubles each turn. So it's 2, 4, 8, 16. And, you know... When I get the Narset off the table, my opponent has just created a 4-4 and my life is starting to run out. I have an Uro that I have escaped. Uh, well, I escape it now when the Narset is gone. And I get to look at the top three cards of my Sylvan. And if you've been in this position, the best chance of winning the game is creating as many decisions for your opponent as possible and hoping that one of the decisions you make is a tasty enough bait for them to use a valuable spell on. And in this scenario, I get to look at my free cards and I I get a tingling sensation that, you know, this is a good bait spell. So I play Edward Chandler and at this board state, it can bounce their paradox zone. And I guess my opponent is kind of not thrilled about bouncing that because if I have a counterspell or something, you know, their biggest way of killing me at this point could be gone. I also have a Grist in place, so like I can keep blocks up pretty well. I just escaped an Uro. So I play an Edder Chandler and my opponent fetches for a land and casts Force of Will on it. For me, this is a very good deal because the next turn, my opponent makes a very big swing and creates an 8-8 and passes. I untap, I draw an extra card with Sylvan. You know, I do have this Uro in play, so I just play an Alluren. It resolves, I play a Harpy, that resolves. I pick up my Uro and play it. And at this time, with the trigger on the stack, I decide to bounce my Harpy. And as the Uro trigger also have resolved, I want to replay my Harpy and my opponent plays a dress down. And here's where I drew that extra card for. It's harpy number two, Ooh, and it's game over. Yeah, that was very clutch, and also very nice with the Bater Chandler. Yeah, like after game, after the whole, the whole match, uh, my opponent was kicking themselves about that because they're like, I shouldn't have done that, 
And that's one of the things I talk about a lot. Sometimes magic is about making your opponent make as many decisions as possible because they were ahead, so they didn't want to lose being ahead. But what the resulted in is them dying the next turn. Like the board state they had, they could probably go with double carpet. They could probably let it happen. Yeah, just replay the fractal, right? Yeah, but they're also scary. Like I just unlocked my Sylvan and I have an Uro and Grist. So that's, that is scary. But game three, we both keep a seven. My opponent goes land pass. I play Trop Ponder. Opponent plays a carpet, land, and Sylvan. <laughs> so that's a pretty good hand. I untap and I just decay the library. Opponent takes their turn. No land drop. Pass. Ooh. So the Sylvan was uh, very important for the game plan. So uh, I, I'm thinking Sylvan sounds nice. I untap, play a land, and play my own Sylvan. Opponents wants to show that they're also in this whole decaying business, but they untap and ending my Sylvan. Still no land. I untap, play a ponder. It's a very fine ponder. So I keep him, draw a card, and pass. Opponent takes their turn and play Uro. No land, and pass. At this point, no, a Jace even. They play a Jace to Mind Sculptor. So they're tapped out and they brainstorm. And I'm like, sure, you can brainstorm. Like, it's over. I untap, I play Luren. They force, I force back. As I rack. Game. Yeah, I yeah, had yeah. a. The reason why the, the ponder was so good that was, was that I had a Serac, a Luren in my hand with a force. And I found a second force with the ponder oh. as well. So when I saw them tap out and not make a land drop, I just knew that it was lights out. So yeah, 2 1 in the quarterfinals which means you got to play the semi-finals yeah that's right and uh, this is up against painter and we play a super grindy game one like both of us are just trying to get as nasty as possible but you know i end up in a situation where i have two harpy and an alluren in hand and i just need a payoff creature to probably win but five to six draws later I've not found found a cantrip or a blue creature. So my Boo. opponent gets to kill me. <laughs> that was so unlucky. But you know, it happens. Like I'm just sitting there drawing another land, another Luren, another Endurance. I'm like, what's going on deck? <laughs> I have all of my blue creatures left in the deck. Uh, but you know, game two, you just got to shake that loss off and go into game two. So it's another super grindy game. But here I get to play a gob, like a, plague engineer to kill a welder which is always it feels great like even if they get rid of the the engineer you still got rid of their probably scariest card at least for me at one point my opponent decides to play a goblin engineer and this is where my opposition agent comes into play so i get to play my opposition agent and you know i get to put one of their artifacts in exile what i do here is a pretty bad decision so I took that commander card that destroys non-land permanents. And in hindsight, I should have taken a grindstone to threaten the combo if they ever played a painter out. What was unfortunate about this decision was that my opponent could play painter on red and pitch a piffing needle to fury because I got to see their hand with opposition agent because I controlled their turn. Oh, well, I controlled them when they search. So if I would have taken this line... They couldn't have gone for the painter on red fury or things because then I take my turn. I just play the grindstone and kill them. So that was a really big misstep. I definitely should have gone for the other line. However, they do get to fury me. And this means that they also get to kill the both plague engineer and the opposition agent. And they had a saga that was coming off. It was coming off on two. So their next turn if they would have gotten there, I would have gotten another search with the opposition agent, which was actually the reason why I brought it in against uh, both that and, yeah, engineer. Mm. So, mm. however, mm. the game goes on, and I end up, unfortunately, in the same situation as in game one. But this time, I have a learn in play, but I'm not able to find a single creature to pair with my harpy for four turns. Mm. Yeah, and the last turn... It probably wouldn't have resolved anyways because my opponent did their dragon engine thing where they put, a, you know, they welder a dragon engine into play and they discard their hand and draw free. And at this point, they, it was just a draw free. So they probably found Red Elemental Blast or something like that. But yeah, like I had a free 
completely open turns before that where I just couldn't get a single creature. But, you know, eventually I get milled. I endurance myself <laughs> to get one last draw step, but it's another land, so je suis mort. Mm. I'm dead. <laughs> so, yeah, top four. That was super fun. And, you know, closing in thoughts, uh, like closing thoughts on the day, was that the deck choice was probably pretty good for the day. I always think that people should play what they are comfortable with and i was considering going with doomsday but a much stronger alert player than i am doomsday so looking at the top decks with uh, shadow delver and dnt i do believe that i had a really good like deck for the day even if i only played uh, against delver once i'm also lucky like i could have played merfolk in the semi-finals <laughs> Instead of, uh, <laughs> even if Painter didn't go as well now, I could have played Merfolk and that's uh, that would have been a, a much sadder story. It wouldn't have been, <laughs> oh, I didn't top deck. It would have been, yeah, I got my face kicked in <laughs> two games. But, uh, you know, seeing that DN free would uh, was in the finals, I'm really sad that <laughs> I didn't win this because DNT is such a good matchup for me. But, you know, I had a great time, got to spend some quality time with my two beautiful co-hosts, sing some tunes in the car, eat some burgers. It was just a great day. <laughs> and that is all we have for this episode. What is up in your local paper method these days? Do let us know in our Discord. There is a link to that in the episode description. And in addition to Discord, you can hit us up on Twitter. We are at STHLM Legacy. Also personally present on social media. Robin, where can our listeners get car music recommendations from you? You can get a Spotify link on Twitter. I am at jacka underscore bow you can find me on twitter at monolith mtg and you can find me on twitter at disco drogo and that concludes the 84th episode of the stockholm legacy report thank you robinson see you and christopher wikström thank you nor shopping i am victor banerj special thanks to you for listening as always the great frönes has written their music you can find their work on spotify for your next car trip and until our next episode remember to love big brother